as the notorious Regal ransomware operation rebooted as a new group, and key lessons from the Maersk NotPetya malware attack. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Russia recently arrested a number of individuals suspected of working for a notorious ransomware operation named Reval. Should this unexpected move be viewed as Russian authorities finally seeking judicial measure for measure, or could this turn out to simply be much ado about nothing? Joining me to discuss is Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe. Matt, what's the latest? Well, Anna, there's definitely been much ado about something on the ransomware front in Russia. It's been a busy month. The FSB, Russia's security service, said that it's detained 14 suspects. And so far, we've seen eight of them get arraigned. They are suspected of being members of the Revil or Sodernokibi ransomware operation. So obviously, this is great news. And it has sent a shudder of, oh no, what's going on through the cybercrime underground based on security firms that listen to that sort of chatter. So we've seen some panic and some chaos ensue from the arrests. And that is one of the strategies that law enforcement practices when it attempts to disrupt cybercrime. But we have numerous questions remaining. For example, Is Russia using these arrests and possibly busting some lower level people as a kind of way of complicating the diplomatic discussions that are now underway over whether or not Russia invades Ukraine? Also, these suspects have so far only been charged with money control or laundering. And it's not clear how all this could go in terms of the prison sentence or the fines they might be facing. Obviously, the list of charges could be expanded, but this isn't along the lines of unauthorized access to computers or kind of this big takedown in a legal sense that you might have thought would be brought to bear on these ransomware attackers, given the kinds of carnage and damage that they have been doing. So earlier this week, Matt, you reported that there now appears to be a potential rival spinoff called Ransom Cartel. What is its claim to fame? Well, one of the things it's already managed to do is not do what it says in the tin, because it is not actually a cartel. This is a single operation. And we have had rumors of cartels in the past, multiple operations joining forces. And that pretty much seems to turn out to be kind of marketing spin. They'll maybe trade some clients on each other's data leak sites, stuff like that trying to amplify the attention being paid to what they're doing in order to get more publicity and hopefully, in their eyes, drive more victims to feel pressured enough to pay a ransom. But we also have now Ransom Cartel and Malware Hunter Team, which is a group of security researchers online, have done a teardown of what we know so far. And they've raised an alert saying that we see a lot of parallels with what Revil was doing. There's the ransom note template. Obviously, that would be easy for somebody else to copy. But they have also looked at the way that files are being encrypted and viewed with the hacks editor, they found that the footers in the code line up exactly with files had they been encrypted by Revil's malware. So we don't have a copy of the malware yet, but based on what we've seen, 
somebody has either really faithfully copied Revel's approach or somehow they've obtained the tools. So is this Revel in a new guise? Probably these tools were sold to Revel is my number one explanation for all this stuff. Because as Malware Hunter team noted, if you're Revel, you're being hunted by the White House. Russian authorities seem to be looking for you. You wouldn't really hang out your shingle under the same name. You'd probably reboot under a different name. You'd probably rewrite your ransomware or just start from scratch to try to erase any evidence that it was still you. And that's what Malware Hunter team says they think is probably already happening. Revel's probably already rebooted under a different name. Meanwhile, we've got Ransom Cartel. Maybe this was a way to make a quick buck for the exiting Revel admins. And Matt, where does this leave us? So you don't know where the core admins and operators of Revel are. They're still at large. And one security expert says that he's seen them working with other groups, for example, Conti, which is surged on no matter this attempt to crack down on ransomware. You know, Lockbit is another big group, which continues to operate. Doesn't seem to be running scared from any of the potential disruptions being wielded by Western governments. So that's a little taste of some of the big names we've been seeing. But in the bigger picture, security watchers are really waiting to see what happens next. We don't have good intelligence on the number of victims that fall victim to ransomware. But what we can see from data leak sites and our imperfect intelligence is that the volume of victims appears to have been remaining constant for two or three years running now. This is despite increased law enforcement action, more arrests, greater resources being devoted to increasing cyber resiliency in the US by the White House. So is all this having an effect? It's difficult to say. Obviously we have lots of efforts underway. Hopefully they'll all take a big bite out of ransomware, but is it going to have a big effect? We need to wait and see. So it sounds like a true winter's tale. Matt, thank you very much for your insight. It's my pleasure, Anna. Hopefully at some point when we catch up, we'll talk about how the ransomware revels have now ended. Very good. I look forward to it. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. What if malware disguises ransomware destroyed every copy of a company's Active Directory except for one? There's only one place to find out, and that is episode four of our managing editor of security and technology, Jeremy Kirk's Ransomware Files. I implore you to check out the podcast series where Kirk speaks with those who have navigated their way through ransomware incidents to learn how they fought back and what tips they can pass on to others. For now, here's a taster. In 2017, Gavin Ashton had a role in one of the most devastating, strangest, and unprecedented global cyber attacks. The incident is known by the ransomware, or at least the purported ransomware, that caused it, which was called NotPetya. Gavin worked for the Danish global shipping giant Maersk. He was Maersk's identity and access management subject matter expert. And this is this is something I describe to you know customers of mine now is that you know we talk about you know milestones and project plans and things that you know three five-year plans etc and the thing about ransomware and, or, or extortion where whatever you want to call it these days is that it, it it doesn't really care about any of that you know it could literally strike this afternoon and you know that was our 
that was our wake-up call. Maersk was one of several multinational companies that spent hundreds of millions of dollars recovering after NotPetya struck. And it was just one of dozens of organizations that were affected. NotPetya pretended on the surface to be ransomware, but it actually wasn't. Although it displayed a ransom note that would indicate it was just encrypting files, it actually wrecked the master boot record of computers. That might sound familiar. This type of malware has re-emerged in the last couple of weeks in Ukraine as tensions rise with Russia. The attack against Maersk nearly sank the company. Every copy of Active Directory had been destroyed by NotPetya. That put Barrett Halai, who was Maersk's former head of identity and access management, in a tough spot. But he had one idea. I asked the head of IT, said, uh, can you just make sure you call every single site and ask them if any of them had a WAN outage um, at any point um, of uh, since the NotPetya event or before, and if they'd been still been off. And so um, he got his local IT guys to call out to all branches and find out. And it just so happened that um, Nigeria had experienced a, a WAN outage, the Lakers had experienced a LAN, not a LAN outage, a WAN outage, a, a connectivity outage. Fortunately, um, the head of IT came back and said, yes, we have one site that has had a WAN outage before the 27th of June. I said, great. Can you ask them um, if they haven't already powered down the devices um, or disconnected them from the network, if, um, if they're experiencing the same message we are everywhere else? Lo and behold, they were not experiencing the issue. I thought, great. Now, the first thing to do is back that baby up quick, quick before it goes. With that copy of Active Directory, Maersk was on the path of recovery. As a result of the attack, Maersk made big changes to its identity and access management controls. NotPetya took advantage of weak access controls, which caused it to spread so quickly. If you'd like to hear more about how Maersk recovered and what steps your organization can take to prevent ransomware and malware, have a listen to episode four of the Ransomware Files podcast, which is available on ISMG's website and Apple and Spotify. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. And finally, we all know that preparation is key to effective incident response, and maybe you'll engage external experts to assist your in-house team during the process. However, your internal team still plays an important part of the operation. So what are the incident response skills that an organization needs to have in-house versus those that are going to come from partners? This was a question posed by our Senior Vice President of Editorial, Tom Field, to Lisa Soto, Partner and Chair of the Global Privacy and Cybersecurity Practice with Hunt and Andrews Kurth, LLP. Here she shares her thoughts, broadcast at our recent Financial Services Summit. I think the in-house skills that are most critical in the event of a big cyber attack are organizational skills. You'll need to look to your external experts for real expertise. It's the forensic firms who do this a thousand times a day. It's the law firms who do this constantly over the course of a year that are going to have the real expertise to bring to the table, but it's the in-house folks who are going to facilitate all the work that your external experts are doing. Facilitate the forensic investigators' knowledge of the systems, help them get whatever they need on the security front, help counsel understand what the, the company's obligations are and to whom, and figuring out what the customer base looks like that might be affected, what the personnel base might look like that might be affected, and what geographies are in play. And then, of course, the in-house communications team is going to be very active during this time. 
And so it's the in-house project manager, and that could be council, it could be somebody in the information security group who's really pulling together all of these work streams. And what is so important is that each work stream understands what the other is doing. And the way to do that, on occasion, we'll have to pull together two calls a day, one at nine o'clock in the morning, one at five o'clock, where everybody shares knowledge so that we're all singing from the same songbook. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time. Thank you.